welcome to another edition of Cued Up. It is Tuesday, April 11th, 2023. Quentin Pelzel with you on this special Tuesday edition. I got caught up yesterday doing a lot of things, traveling, had to catch up on some things. So today is the day. I'll be back on Friday, but so much to get into. A ton happened over the weekend. We also can recap a little bit of what happened last night with the Mets and the Yankees. But first, the big news over the weekend, actually a couple days ago, was Odell Beckham going to the Baltimore Ravens. We finally have some news in the NFL. And it was not Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, but rather Odell Beckham, who was rumored to go to the Jets. He is going to the Ravens. Kind of a baffling move, to be honest. I mean, there are so many question marks right now with the Baltimore Ravens. Is Lamar coming back? And even if Lamar Jackson is coming back, is that the best possible place for Odell Beckham to resurrect his career? Lamar Jackson is not a great passing quarterback at all. And he just came out a couple weeks ago and said that basically he's leaving the team. He requested a trade at the beginning of March and he sent a letter basically saying goodbye to the fans. And now you have Odell Beckham with Lamar Jackson. I guess they FaceTimed a couple nights ago when he announced that he was signing. So I don't know what the deal is with the Baltimore Ravens. If Lamar is going to be back, and if he's not, who are they going to go with? Tyler Huntley? I mean, Lamar Jackson isn't a great passer. And then now you want to uh, you know, you want to put in Tyler Huntley now, who's an even worse passer than Lamar Jackson is. I just don't think it was the best situation for Odell. Yes, he got paid a ton of money. Now the contract is for one year, but it's a whopping 15 million guaranteed, up to 18 million in incentives. But I just don't think he's going to get a lot of catches. He might get a lot of targets, but how is Lamar going to get it to him? I think if he came to the Jets, yes, he would not be a number one receiver or maybe not even a number two receiver, but he would be a slot guy and he would get catches. He would get targets because of Aaron Rodgers. At least we think the Jets will get Aaron Rodgers. That still hasn't happened yet. And when each day goes by and as we get closer to the draft, I get more and more worried and a little bit more uncomfortable, but there's nothing really to report about Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't come out and said anything about Odell going to the Ravens, hasn't said anything about refuting any of the rumors about the 49ers getting involved, possibly him going to the Niners instead of the Jets. We don't really know yet. We're all just in a humongous holding pattern, and the only thing that really happened was that Odell is going to the Ravens. Even after it was reported that Odell to the Jets is almost a certainty, and that the Jets were the frontrunner for Odell Beckham Jr., and that obviously did not come to fruition. So now I'm a little bit more uneasy that maybe Aaron Rodgers to the Jets may not happen, but I am very, very confused as to why the Ravens would spend that much money on Odell. Is it because they think that they will be without Lamar Jackson and they need some sort of star power in Baltimore? Or are Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham best buds? And one of the demands from Lamar Jackson to stay was that you have to go out and get Odell Beckham. So that could have been another possibility as to why that's happened. But I just, I, I don't really see why Odell would pick the Ravens other than the money. I mean, and he has come out, he has said that it really hasn't been all about the money, but this move 
it's definitely all about the money because it is not the best career-wise for him. He will, he'll, He's probably going to go to the Baltimore Ravens, and he'll be fed up with the way that Lamar Jackson is throwing. Like, remember, the Ravens had Marquise Brown, otherwise known as Hollywood Brown, and Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown were best friends. And he was pretty good for the Ravens, but... In the end, he wanted to get out. He demanded a trade, and the Ravens traded him to Arizona. Why? Well, there's one reason, and that is because the offense that they are in is not suitable and is not good for wide receivers looking to make a ton of money. So Marquise Brown, who was best friends with Lamar Jackson, he wanted out from Baltimore. And Odell Beckham, with his past, how he wanted out, from the New York Giants with Eli Manning as his passer, and then him scolding Baker Mayfield, his dad posting on Twitter that he's not getting him the ball. How do you think this situation is going to turn out with Lamar Jackson? Or maybe even Tyler Huntley. Best case scenario, it is Lamar Jackson, and that is not good for wide receivers. So I was really thrown off by that. I thought he was at least going to give the Jets a visit and he was supposed to do that yesterday. That obviously got postponed and canceled because he agreed to a deal with the Ravens. So he never really gave the Jets a chance to meet with him in person. But that may end up benefiting the Jets in the long run anyway. Because Odell, we got to keep in mind, he is coming off a season in which he did not play. He's coming off a second ACL surgery on the same knee. And he is getting older. So... What actually is he going to be able to produce? And is that worth $15 million guaranteed? For me, I don't think so. Yes, I would have loved to have Odell on the team. But once I saw that $15 million guaranteed, there are some wide receivers who are top tier in the NFL that are not getting paid $15 million guaranteed. And this guy hasn't played in two years. So the Ravens can have him. Good luck to them. They are a train wreck right now with the situation that they're in, but good luck to them. Moving on to some baseball. The Mets 6-5 now after winning last night against the San Diego Padres. Max Scherzer, I guess, is a five-inning pitcher at this point. He He actually pitched pretty well last night. I do have to give him credit for that before I... Uh, knock him. But before that, he was horrible. I think he would admit that too. In his four starts dating back to last year, he was horrendous. And he was about a start away, I would say, from getting booed by the City Field faithful. That's how bad he has been over his last four starts. And when you get paid that much money, you can't be bad for a prolonged period of time. The Mets gave him this amount of money in order to stop losing streaks, not extend them. And Max Scherzer, over his last four starts, before last night, he was pitching horribly and he was extending losing streaks. But good for the Mets that they were able to um, rally behind Scherzer, give him some runs, and Scherzer pitched five scoreless innings, so that's great. He had a couple of balls down the third baseline that somehow stayed fair two in one inning. Um, I don't think I've seen that. Like, you don't see that very often at all let alone two in one inning. You had Luis Guillorme bunt it perfectly down the third baseline, grooming it in between the infield grass and the chalk. And then I think it was Tomas Nito, the next batter after Guillorme with a swinging bunt, basically the same spot that Guillorme bunted his ball. It went down the third baseline, fair ball, 
and uh, the Mets had runners at second and first. So it was kind of crazy to see that, but the Mets were able to get the win coming after a game in which they lost on Sunday, on Easter Sunday. It was Carlos Carrasco pitching, and I think he's a couple starts away from really getting booed by Mets fans because it's just gotten to a point now where he's going out there and he's not even giving the Mets a fair chance or a fighting chance to win the game. I mean, it seems like before you can even sit your butt down in the couch, the Mets are down 3 nothing, And that's what it was in the top of the first inning against the Marlins. You had Brian De La Cruz, who no one has ever heard of, hit a three-run shot off of the uh, Party City deck out in left field. I mean, he absolutely smoked it. It was a breaking ball right down the middle. And before you know it, Mets are down 3 nothing. The game is over, and everyone switches it over to the Masters, which was absolutely terrific to watch. You had golf all day, starting 8.30 in the morning with the um, resuming of the third round. And then a couple hours later, you had the fourth round starting and finishing. The Masters did not want to play on Monday, so they tried to jam it all into Sunday, and they did it with... Uh, Plenty of daylight to spare, but John Rahm ended up being the winner. He beat out Brooks Kepka, who was leading for the majority of the tournament. He was leading for the first round, the second round, and most of the third. He might have even been leading after the third. And then John Rahm, I think he was two strokes back, actually, when the fourth round started on Sunday. Uh, Rahm just came out on fire. Brooks Kepka, you can tell from the beginning, did not hit the ball well off the tee. I think his first tee shot actually went left of left. That's how Jim Nance described it. And he recovered a little bit after that, but then it was just a slow, methodical deterioration of play from Kepka. But you got to give it to Rom, his second major. I know I got off track a little bit. I was talking about the Mets, but I did want to talk about the Masters just a little bit. So there's that little one to two minute blurb about John Rom winning the Masters. Now back to the Mets. And. It was a big start for Max last night. He ended up getting the win. I was talking about Carrasco earlier. He he is he's a couple starts away. He's a couple starts away from being booed. He has got to go out there in his next start in three days, and he's got to pitch well. You've got to at least not give up five or six runs every time you're out there. His ERA is at 12 right now, and I know he's the fifth starter. You're not really expecting a lot but you're at least expecting your fifth starter to give you a fighting chance. Like at this point, I would take five innings, three runs given up. That's it. Five innings, three runs. That's a high ERA. I think it comes out to somewhere around four, but that's fine for a fifth starter. Like I'll take that. That is fine, especially for Carrasco, but he has got to do better than what he has been doing. And the Mets did call up Francisco Alvarez a few days ago, and he has got to be in the lineup. I know he's in the lineup tonight. He was in the lineup on Sunday. I actually got an RBI single. He's just a lot better than Tomas Nito. I don't want to see Nito. Alvarez is up here. Give him playing time. Give him at-bats. Give him reps behind home plate. And don't baby him either just because Max Scherzer was on the mound because I guarantee you the reason why Alvarez did not play yesterday was because Scherzer was on the mound. He's getting the start tonight with David Peterson on the mound. So that might there might be a little chemistry there. Those two probably work together in AAA and AA. But I'm excited to see Alvarez in the lineup, and I'm excited to see Starling Marte back in the lineup as well. He came out of the game on Easter Sunday with a neck injury, missed yesterday, but he's back in the lineup tonight for Game 2 against the Padres. 
As for the Yankees, they lost last night against the Guardians. Second game is tonight. It's actually starting up in just about 10, 15 minutes. I'm recording right now. Pretty late in the evening on Tuesday, but Judge is off to a really good start. I did want to start with that. And for Anthony Volpe, a lot of Yankee fans were excited about seeing Volpe, the young shortstop who is going to be filling the shoes of Derek Jeter. Well, he got off to a decent start opening weekend, but he has fallen off a cliff. I think he's batting 165 or somewhere around there. So it's been a tough battle for Volpe, but I think this kid is extremely talented. I think the Yankees should still continue to go with him because who else are they going to go with? I mean, IKF at shortstop? I don't think the Yankees want to see IKF. And, uh, you know, they could go with Peraza. But in the end, I think Yankee fans, they want to see an extended look of Anthony Volpe. And the Yankees will give him every chance to take that shortstop job and to not let it go. But it's really going to take Volpe falling off a cliff in order for him to get sent down to AAA or benched. I don't think he's going to get benched. I think the worst he'll be sent down to AAA because the Yankees do want to continue to give him at-bats and playing time in the field to get some experience. So Yankees, they will play Game 2 tonight against the Cleveland Guardians. We do have an update on Carlos Rodon. It was just announced today that he has been dealing with some back spasms. Now, he was without with he was out for the first couple weeks already because of an arm injury. He got hurt in spring training, but he was expected to come back sometime soon, but it looks like he has experienced a little bit of a setback and it's they're going to reevaluate in a few days. That's what Aaron Boone said, the Yankee manager. So we'll keep an eye on that. He was the big free agent acquisition that the Yankees had in the offseason, and he has yet to throw a pitch yet. So sucks for the Yankees. Garrett Cole is on the mound. He'll try to win game two against uh, Josh Gaddis, who was pitching for the Guardians. Now, we do have the playoff matchup set for the NBA. And for the Knicks, they will be playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. That will be on Saturday. The play-in actually starts tonight with the Lakers and the Timberwolves and then the Hawks and the Heat. But both Nets and the Knicks are in the NBA playoffs. They don't have to play a play-in. We thought that once the Nets traded Kyrie and they traded Durant that they would probably be fighting for a play-in spot, but they got in pretty comfortably as the sixth seed. And now they will match up against the 76ers. That game will also start on Saturday, just like the Knicks game against the Cavaliers. Knicks-Cavaliers playing later in the day. And the Nets are playing at 1 o'clock. That series, I would be shocked if the Nets won two games in that series. The Nets, compared to the Sixers, just it's no match. I mean, Joel Embiid probably going to win MVP. They also have James Harden and a lot of other supporting characters plus home court advantage. I just I just think so much is against the Brooklyn Nets in that series. But as for the Knicks, who knows if they will get Julius Randle back. And I have said it all along, they need another score to go along with Jalen Brunson, and they desperately need Randle there. I know the Knicks have been playing well without him, but the playoffs are a different animal. Teams ratchet up the defense, they play better, and you need another score because... The Cavaliers, who let Jalen Brunson score 50 points against them two and a half weeks ago, I guarantee you will not let him do that again. They will double him before he even gets into the paint, and they will make life on Jalen Brunson extremely hard. 
at least to score the basketball. Maybe he'll dish it out. He'll get like 10, 15 assists, but that's exactly going to be playing into what the Cavaliers want Brunson to do. They want Brunson to give up the ball and get it out of his hands and make someone else, like an Obi Toppin, like an R.J. Barrett, like an Emmanuel Quickly, beat them. And I would think that the Cavaliers have a really good game. Like, that's a really good game plan, if you think about it. Don't let Jalen Brunson score the basketball. That's really it. Other than that, the Knicks don't have any accomplished scorer. That's why you need Julius Randle there who can get the ball, who can score one-on-one. I know I hate that brand of basketball, but in the postseason, you do need a bucket. You go with Julius Randle. He's the leading scorer. So hopefully Randle is back, and if he is back, I think the Knicks have a better chance to beat the Cavaliers. I still think they have a decent shot. Now the Cavaliers have the home court advantage the Cavaliers are probably favored in this series. I haven't checked any of the lines yet, but I would imagine they're the higher seed. They're going to be favored, but who knows? I mean, the Knicks were in this position a couple of years ago against the Hawks, and the Hawks beat them as uh, the fifth seed, beating the Knicks as the fourth seed. So we'll see how that turns out. I mentioned that the um, the play-in is tonight. I did just want to mention a, one sh- quick little blurb about the Mavericks, the Knicks, They made a trade with the Mavericks a few years ago now, probably four or five, actually, at this point, when they traded Kristaps Porzingis to the Mavericks. Knicks won the trade, and they are still getting paid out because of that awful deal that Mark Cuban agreed to. And one of the conditions in the trade was that the Knicks were going to get a top 10 protected first-round pick, and the Mavericks were sitting at 11th. And if the Mavericks were just able to win a couple games, the Mavericks would have finished 11th. They would have had a lottery pick given to the Knicks, and the Knicks would have ended up getting that first-round pick. I don't know what happens now because the Mavericks now, they actually finish 10th. So the Mavericks get to retain their first-round pick. And the reason why was because they tanked. They benched Kyrie Irving. They benched everybody. They benched uh, Luka Doncic. Keep in mind... The Mavericks were still in a playoff position. Like, they still could have, if they won those two games and the Thunder lost, the Mavericks would have been in the playoffs. And with the playoffs on the line, the Mavericks decided to bench all their star players and lose because they valued the first-round pick over getting in the play-in. From a Mavericks fan perspective, you're probably happy that Mark Cuban did that because, let's face it, if they get into the play-in, they're probably losing because they just haven't—it's just not their year this year. But still, you have a playoff game or a playoff series on the line and you decide to bench your players. It does not look good, especially for a guy like Mark Cuban that questions everyone's integrity when it comes to the game of basketball, including the referees. And now you're tanking the game. There is obvious hypocrisy there with Mark Cuban. And it's not just because I'm a Knicks fan. Yes, I would have loved to have the first round pick, but there is obvious hypocrisy with Mark Cuban and the Mavericks and the way that he handled the situation. And I'm sure... There's going to be an investigation uh, between the Mavericks and the NBA looking into that. So I just wanted to end the podcast with that because that obviously happened over the weekend. And we are entering a very exciting part of sports. We have the NBA playoffs. The NHL playoffs are starting up. MLB is getting into full swing. The NFL draft is coming up in a couple weeks. So, so much to get into. I will be back on Friday. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you again on Friday.